In Isaiah 64, verse 8, I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this honor and privilege to come to break open the bread of life. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's fallen, the Word of God that we're getting ready to break open. And Lord, I just pray that, I, that you will speak through me today and, and uh, as we're here and that it will minister and bless and encourage us today in the relationship that we have with you and how we are to approach you and how we are to uh, respond to you and reverence you and honor you. I pray that you help me today, that you anoint me, and God, that you'll speak a word of life that will exercise us to godliness and holiness and reverence unto you. God, because we have this great relationship with you, and I'm so thankful that we have our Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord, today, and we ask you to bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Word of God, it says, I'm just going to read one scripture, and it says in verse 8 of chapter 64, But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay, and Thou our potter, and we all are the work of Thy hand. What a beautiful scripture. You know, I'm going to preach today a responsible father. And um, as I said earlier, I'm not necessarily talking to, I am talking to all the fathers in the house, but it's not Father's Day. But this is kind of a Father's Day-esque message, but it's something that God gave me. I'm talking today about our Heavenly Father, how responsible He is. What an example that we have here in the Word of God. Now, I purpose, or the purpose that I have this morning in preaching this, and I hope it develops in us, a more honorable, reverent attitude and approach to God. My prayer is that this word will create a greater intimacy and a deeper relationship between us and our Heavenly Father because that's what God is after in us, a greater and a deeper relationship. If you read the New Testament, everything in the New Testament teaches us this new uh, dispensation, or should I say, new covenant between a father and a son or a daughter. It's uh, Jesus promoted that. He spoke that. He taught that. And it, it's really the, the beginnings of father and, and, and son relationship between God and his son and his daughters, those that are believers, his children. And God desires this, or else Paul would not have spoken like he did and taught us to cry, Abba, Father. We have that, that down deep within us, that cry of Abba, Father. One time I was in my office and I was going through something so deep in my life and all I could do was cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And I laid there with my hands out on my floor just weeping and crying and saying, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit came in that room and God touched me in such a powerful and a mighty way. And that's what He wants from us. You know, we plead the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus, but he also says, I've put in my children a cry, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father. So we have a Father in heaven, Romans 8.15 says, and we can cry unto him, Abba Father. And what a beautiful relationship that is. And Paul taught that. Peter teaches us in 1 Peter 1.17 to call upon the Father. 
And, and so we know this because Jesus taught it. We know it because Paul taught it. We know it because Peter taught it. But we also know that it's something that is so powerful and, and so, so, so vital in our lives, our relationship with our Father, or else Satan wouldn't work so tirelessly to destroy the element of the Father in the home. Because he knows... That if he removes a spiritual father from the home, there's no, there's no spiritual leadership there. Not that women and mothers cannot be spiritual leaders. They can be. But the, the way God set it up is for that father to be that spiritual leader. Okay? And so, ladies, if you don't have a husband in the home, maybe the father's absent or he's not serving God, that's your responsibility to be that spiritual leader. But ultimately, if you're sitting here this morning and you are a father of children in this home, no matter how old you are or how young you are, God has called you to be that spiritual head and leader in that home. You guard it, that home, you protect it, with your prayers. I know God's our ultimate protection, but we pray as the priest of that household to cover that home, cover those children. What we allow in our life, what we allow through those doors to come in will affect our home. That's why we must be spiritual fathers. But we have a heavenly Father who is responsible, who never does anything wrong. He's always right. And I can tell you that's why the devil has is tirelessly to destroy that father figure, spiritual father figure in the home. I can tell you we need to we need to know the relationship we have with our father. All you have to do is look at what the enemy works to do and you're going to learn a lot about what God puts a premium on. Amen. Just look at what your enemy's doing and you'll find out what's important to God. Come on now. You know, we're always, we're always looking for ways. I don't want to get off track, but we're always looking for ways to, to try to figure out revelation and things. Let me give you the greatest revelation. Just look at what the devil does in the Bible or in your life, and you can pinpoint what's important to God. Amen? Praise God. My main point, my main theme or thread today is what a responsible Heavenly Father we have. David in Psalms 27 said in verse 10, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Uh, that just tells me that if we have a spiritual father, even if we don't have the greatest earthly parents, we can have a spiritual, we do have a spiritual father, even when we don't have spiritual earthly parents at times. He said, when my father and my mother forsake me, he said, Lord, you have not forsaken me, but you take me up. And I know in this room today, in this, in this church today, there are people, there are people that in, in their life, they have went through times where they were abandoned by their parents or rejected or went through a time or a season where their mom and dad didn't want them or that maybe they never knew them. I can tell you today you can have a comfort and a hope that we serve an awesome father who's responsible who will never leave you nor forsake you he will be with you even when your earthly parents have not done right we have a God who sees us and he's responsible he's not a weekend dad he's not a stepdad a half dad he's not a missing dad he is a responsible father a good good father 
Isaiah 63 verse 15, very great scripture. He says, look down from heaven and behold from the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory. Where is thy zeal and thy strength? The sounding of thy bowels and of thy mercies toward me is a question. He said, are they restrained? A question. And he goes right into the answer. Doubtless. Oh my God, doubtless thou art our father. Though Abraham be ignorant of us and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. That ought to make you shout today. We have a God who doubtless, there's no doubt in your mind. You should have no doubt in your mind that he is an awesome Redeemer. He is an awesome God who is from everlasting to everlasting. He's an awesome Father. Amen. Though, let me tell you, I wrote this down. It's encouraging that even if Abraham or Israel, which represents God's people, God's leaders, he said, even if they are ignorant of us or acknowledge us not, thou art our Father. Thou art our Redeemer. And thy name is from everlasting. He is a Father who is before has always been has always existed and he always will <laughs> amen so if he's done something for you as your heavenly father and he has he'll do it again amen I'm trying to encourage you today and give you a hope you know there's all kinds of things in this bible we can preach on the holy ghost we can preach on end times we can preach a lot of things. And the Lord said, there's somebody sitting in that room today or maybe several people that just need to be encouraged that they have a heavenly Father that has not forgotten them. And He loves them. Though you have no parents today, maybe you've said, both of my parents are gone. God has not forsaken you. Amen. He'll be everything to you that you need when you need Him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our text tells us He is our Father. We are the clay and, and the work of His hands. He's the potter. It speaks of His sovereignty. What is God's sovereignty? I can tell you what God's sovereignty is. It's total and complete control and total and complete authority. Just like that potter has all total sovereign control over the clay. If I got some Play-Doh in my hand, I can tell you that Play-Doh is in my hand and I'm squeezing it, I'm molding it, I'm shaping it. But I, as a human being, have total and complete sovereign authority over that clay. That's, that's how God is over our lives. And, 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 and that ought to make you shout because a lot of times we forget, you know, that yes, the Bible talks about how He's a God that will judge us. One day we're all going to stand before Him. But God's love and His mercy is so vast and so awesome. And His providence over our life, His plan, His predestined plan for our life, His, His providence, that's a perfect word. It's a biblical word. The providence of God, God's oversight in our life, His providence from before we were even born, when we were in our mother's womb throughout our life, He's overlooked us, He's watched us, He's loved us, He has mapped out our life so that we could come to be at the place that we are today. Gabe, God had providence in talking to you through Kyle before you were even a Christian. Amen. When you were just a drifter. 
They said, he was a drifter. He was drifting on the waves of the ocean. He was also one of those kind of drifters, you know. Ooh. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I like to drift, too. I just do it on the boat or the quad. I don't do it in the car. I don't want to ruin my tires. I'm too mature for that, so there. Amen. So you can squall the tires and all that stuff, but you're going to have to buy some new ones, and I, I just don't want to do that. But I remember when Gabe dropped Cam, uh, Kyle off, and I went out there and just so thankful we were working on the church and uh, just got to meet him. I thought, he's a nice young man. And I said, Kyle, is he a Christian? He said, not yet. But God had perfect providence. I said, you know what? I remember Gabe praying for you. Because I thought, you know, he's a, he's a nice kid. He'd make the greatest Christian. Well, the Lord saved him. It took a couple years, but he saved him. God got a hold of his heart. What's so beautiful is that God had a providence over his life. And when I first saw him, I thought, you know, we're going to pray for this guy. And I remember several times praying for him, saying, God, just save that young man. God, we pray prayers that, that, that never fall to the ground. There's no prayer that does not get heard by God, especially a prayer for someone's soul. And God had providence in that. And it just so happened that the moment and time when Gabe was to be saved and he was the ripest and the readiest to be saved and be born again, God sent him to the right Taco Bell. Amen. He thought he was going to go to the one on Beach Boulevard in Imperial. But some something just dropped in his mind and his heart. Go to the one on Whittier and Idaho. Amen. And that's where Kyle was. And that was the night God touched him. And from that moment on, he's here today. God that perfect providence in his life. He's a sovereign God who has that clay in his hands and he molds it and he shapes it and he makes it. So don't think for one second that your life is insignificant, you're in accident, or God's not looking over your life. Everything in your life is for your spiritual, eternal best interest. He's a responsible father. Amen? Almighty oh, God. There have been times in my life where there was moves that I made and, 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 and things that I did and, and God knew what He was doing. He knew. There were times that even in moves or in situations where I felt very hurt with the situation, but I know now that it was God's perfect providence in moving me. Joseph never thought that the pit, slavery, the dungeon, being betrayed by Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, was all in the plan of God bringing that dream that God gave him true. But God had a sovereign oversight and he would have never been where he was supposed to be had God not done that. And he went through a lot of things to prepare him and also to bring him to that place. He's a responsible father. Amen. He's a responsible father. And it speaks of his sovereignty. His hands are not abusive hands. Or motivated by an impure desire, but they're nail scarred hands. They're nail scarred feet. Do you know now today we've got electric potter potter's wheels, but back back in the day they had to move it with their foot. Amen. So God, by his son, the Father through his son, applies the hand with the scars in it to the clay. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? The work of the cross does such a beautiful job on our life in shaping us and molding us. 
Amen. And, and their hands that are credible. Their hands that are worthy. Their hands that can touch you. And God, everything that God does, He does. Because He loves us. And the wheel is being spun by a nail-scarred foot. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. And the hand, a nail-scarred hand, and the mind, amen, of God. The pure mind, the, the mind of character, of pure, spotless character. So his hands are not abusive or motivated by an impure desire, but are nail-scarred and his feet are moving the wheel. They're nail-scarred. So all God does, he does from a sacrificial love. Amen. He is a responsible Father. That's why Paul said, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Because He's got your best interest at heart. Amen. He's working and He's given you the power and will in His will to do it. What He's purposed. He is a responsible God to know what we need in our lives. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8, Your Father knoweth what you have need of before you even ask Him. Prayer is not designed to inform God of anything. He already knows everything. Already. But it is to show us the misery of life without God. But when we pray, God takes that misery and turns it into a miracle. Amen. He takes our mess and turns it into a blessing. Come on. He, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's, we don't come before God in prayer. You know, uh, when He says He knows a need before you even ask Him. Prayer is not designed to inform God, but sh to show us our life of misery and hopelessness without God. And that we can pray and see everything changed. Hallelujah. Prayer is also to humble us and to excite us and to set aflame our faith, to raise our soul from the earth to heaven. God doesn't want to just bring heaven down here to earth. He wants to take you to heavenly places. Amen. That's what He wants. When we went to camp, we were at a heavenly place. Come on. He sets us in a heavenly place with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. This morning it was a heavenly place down here. God just touching people. You say, I didn't get in the water. Well, it's because you stayed on the shore. But if you come and you get into the water, I can tell you, you will be blessed. Thank God. Don't worry. You'll have another opportunity. We, we have Sunday service every morning on Sunday at 10. Thursday night at 7. You just never know what's going to happen around here at New Life. Praise the Lord. But you, you just got to know today, God wants us to be mindful. It, prayer is designed for us to be mindful that we have a Father who knows everything about us. He knows our needs before we even ask. Amen. He knows our needs before we even ask. Praise the Lord. Number one need is the, is the promise of the Father. What need is that? The only promise spoken by Jesus of the Father in Acts 1-4. He said, wait and tarry until you be endued with power. It's the promise of the Father. He is responsible to us for our spiritual need and our spiritual growth. And he doesn't expect you to be spiritual but not give you what you need to be spiritual. Hallelujah. That's why we need to always ask God, fill me. Every time you go to prayer, it should be like this down here this morning. There's no reason for it not to be. 
Just begin to sow into that and you'll watch as God blesses you. But the promise of the Holy Spirit baptism is what he's talking about. And that's our number one need. That's why Jesus said, How much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them which ask? Luke eleven thirteen. He is responsible in knowing our need and pouring out His Spirit when we need it. He's responsible in knowing the perfect time to pour out His Spirit when we need salvation. You didn't get saved a day earlier than you were supposed to or when God drew you, amen? But He draws us and He woos us and we get right with God, amen? And Sometimes we say, Lord, I wish I would have gotten saved earlier. Well, that would have been a beautiful thing, but maybe you wouldn't have stayed serving God. So we need to make sure that we know God as a perfect time. So pray for that loved one. Pray for that spouse. Pray for that wife or that husband, that child. Believing God. There's a moment and a time when you're going to draw them and you're going to touch them. Because you are a God who's responsible. You know exactly what they need when they need it. Amen. God knows when we're ripe for salvation. He knows what we have need of and when to execute the answer. You know, years ago when we started this church in 2000, Sister Skiles and I started, and I always tell people there was only seven of us, uh, really, in the beginning with me and Angela. There was, there was me and Angela, Kyle and Cameron, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's the only members we had in the beginning. Then Grandma came and Noemi came. Uh, uh, Naomi, rather. Uh, Becerra, they came. And we had a little church. And we started in a prayer meeting in Grandma Jeannie's house. But two years before that, Grandma Jeannie and Grandma Sue both had a financial blessing that came their way. And it wasn't $1,000, okay? It was a lot more than that. They were blessed with finances. And this was, you know, a long time ago. 1998, 1997, 1998. And, uh, and, and they had uh, the finances that could have very easily set Pastor Jonathan and Angela at a good place to start a church. But it didn't happen that way. We didn't start until 2000. And let me tell you, everything that we received to, to help us in the ministry, we had to pray in. We had to, by faith, pray everything in. By faith, pray everything out. We had to trust God. And I look back, I think it was about three years in, and I told Angela, I said, remember in 98 when Grandma and your mom both got money? I said, and, and, and we all were blessed by that, amen? But, but I, I said, remember, we didn't know two or three years later where we were going to be. And I said, think about that. I said, wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier if we would have had and started the church at that time? And Angela said, Jonathan, we would have learned nothing. And I said, you're right. Because God knew if I place everything before them, then they're never going to learn how to pray. They're never going to learn how to believe God, to pray everything in. They're just going to be people that have had everything set up for them, everything paid for them, an easy way. But I can tell you, when you come trusting God, you learn faith, you learn trust, you learn dependence. And aren't you thankful, amen, you have some grit about you, spiritual grit. I know some of the young people don't understand that terminology because they don't use it. It's kind of antiquated, but it's, 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 a, it's a spiritual grit that you have. Something that you got down deep within you. Amen. And I'm so thankful that now that we went that way 
and that nobody paid the way. Nobody paved the way but God. Amen. He used people sitting in the church to support the church. And that's how we made it trusting God. And He's never failed us ever. Ever, 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 ever failed us. Never. And He never will. That meal barrel has never run dry. Amen. I'm so grateful God had us start the church after, uh, after all of that so we would totally depend upon Him and He would get the glory, He would get the honor, and faith would be birthed and exercised in my life and in Sister Scott's life and in the church because we all did this together. I didn't have Pastor Duke to come over and take care of all my demon-possessed people. We had to deal with it. I didn't have somebody to call and say, I need $1,000, I'm short this month on the rent. I didn't have that. I mean, I could have, but God said, don't you dare do it. Because if you lean on, the, uh, lean on the arm of a person or lean on the arm of the flesh, then you're not trusting me. Either God called you to start this church and I'm going to bring everything in and meet your need, or you might as well just pack it up and quit. Because you don't have nothing to preach. But let me tell you, there's a reason why I got something to preach today because God brought me through in faith. Amen. I'm so grateful. You know, He, he, he brings us as a responsible father through things so that we learn something. Because if we, if we receive something that's not in His will, it will destroy us. 1993, 94, it had been 94 uh, I went to the Price is Right. Yeah, I was on the Price is Right. You ain't going to find it on YouTube, so don't even try. But I went on the Price is Right, and I was the second person called up. Amen. You know when they start the show and they call up four people? I was number two. Oh, man. I jumped up there at contestants row. Amen. And, 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 and you know... If you've, some of you, if you've ever been there, if you've never been on whatever, you know, you're so excited and everything's just so exciting. And I just remember, you know, I was so excited. I started throwing out, spitting out their answers out there. And, and, and they, they were wrong. They were wrong. They were wrong. And so, you know, then by the time I got to where I, I, was, I wasn't nervous anymore and I was calmed down, I was bidding the right answer, but people were bidding above me or beneath me, just right below me. And I didn't get on the prices right. I said, that Explorer was supposed to be mine. That Sebring convertible was supposed to be mine. Amen. I just thought, oh. You know, Angela always wanted a Ford Explorer. When we first got married, that's all she wanted was a Ford Explorer. I said, this is my way. Amen. I can't afford one, but I'm going to win one. And I'm sitting here, and I was just, I knew it, you know. And I didn't get beyond contestants' row. Bob Barker chewed me up and spit me out. He ate my lunch. Amen. And we were on the way home, and me and Grandma, she was there with me. And we're on our way home. And I said, Grandma, I said, why didn't I win? I was supposed to be mine. You know, I'm a child of God. I'm supposed to be blessed. You know, I'm driving a Nissan Sentra that's got 500,000 miles on it. Got a stick that's holding up the radio and an air conditioner that only comes on whenever you hit a speed bump. 
You hit another one, it shuts off. Got to push it to start. Jump in, Sister Scouts. We jumped in like the Flintstones. Had a wonderful paint job. It was like a brick red with so much metallic in it. It just kind of, I said, but they really went wild on the metal flake. It was just, it was pitiful. Here I am. I said, Grandma, why didn't I win that just like that? She said, well, Jonathan, God knows the wickedness of our heart. And I thought, ooh. All the way from Burbank home, I just thought... She said, he knows our heart, Jonathan. He knows what we need and what to withhold from us. If I'd have got that, I'd tell you, I'd have strutted around like a banny rooster in pride. Come on now. And beside the point, if I'd have won it, I wouldn't have been able to pay the taxes on it anyway. Because you've got to pay them before you can get out the door. Why did I say all that to you? Because God knows the wickedness of our heart. And I have a a short poem that I've always quoted. If on His promise I rely that He will all my needs supply, the inference is clear indeed. What God withheld, I did not need. So don't be upset because God withheld something from you. Be thankful for what He's guarded you from. If we had our way about it, things would be a lot different. You know, God's love is so responsible that He shields us from dangerous pitfalls and deviations and detours that impede our progress. I was a teenage kid, about 17 years old, just right out of high school. I, I, was, I, was, I believe at that time I might have, I'm trying to remember because it's just a blur, a lot of it, but, but I, I remember my mom told me, okay, I'll help you get a new car. And so, so um, I knew what I wanted, and I remember my neighbor was a dealer. He worked for a Ford dealer. And I told him, this is what I want. I want a, I want a, it was an 89 Beretta. I want a Chevy Beretta. I, that's what I want, you know. And some of you younger folks, you don't know what that is. But at that time, that was a cool car. And I just remember I wanted that so bad. And he said, I'll get you one. So he went to the auction and he bought one. We manipulated this and we set it all up. And then I said, let's go down to the Ford dealer. See what they got. Well... They pulled up that Beretta. I said, oh, that's real nice. You know, we like Chevys. So my stepdad jumped in there, and it was a stick shift, 2.8. I'm telling you, it screamed. We drove, and he'd come back, and he goes, man, this thing is awesome. I thought, boy, he's liking it as much as I am. He don't know that I handpicked it. I've already manipulated it with Bob, the salesman. So he gets out of the car, and my mom's standing there, she goes, well, what do you think? He goes, oh, no way. He said, he'll kill himself in this car. <laughs> Shut the door. I said, Rich, please. No. He said, John, we just scraped you off the, park, the, 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 the highway the other day when you wrecked your Honda. He said, you think we're going to put you? You'll kill yourself in that. You're not going to get that. I just looked and I thought, all my dreams went down the drain. My mom said, well, if it's, if maybe it's because it's a V6. Let's get him something with the four-cylinder. I thought, oh, no. No, not a V4. <laughs> I'm being serious, but just humorous. 
I don't want a four-stone. I'm just sitting there going, no. And my mom said, what about one of those temples? I said, temple. A Ford temple. I don't want a Ford temple. Sounds like pimple. I don't want a Ford temple. So I got a Ford Mustang with a four-cylinder that was, didn't have enough power to blow your nose. But God knew the way I, way I drove. He knew the way I was. He knew that was the worst thing for me. He knew that. And I'm going to tell you something else that the Lord just spoke to me and He knew. My parents would not have let me leave Missouri without that car, or with that car, because it's in their name. They'd have never let me leave Missouri with that car. And, and, but God wanted me to be here in California. And that would have been an attachment to me that I would not have given up. But I'm so grateful that God knows what He's doing. I'm so grateful that He is a responsible Father. And He knows what we need before we even ask. He knows what we don't need when we think we need it. He knows. He's faithful. He's responsible. And He's responsible enough to chasten us. And I want to close with this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. And this is what it says in the Word of God. When you get there, say amen. Hebrews 12 says this. Verse 5. He said, it have, and, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with a son. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Let me stop for just a second and say, if we're children of God, we have, an earth, we have a, a, a heavenly Father who is responsible over us, and we trust Him, sometimes He's going to bring out the belt and have to spank us or chasten us. I shouldn't even say spank, but he chastens us. And the way he chastens us is we don't get our way. And I'm telling you, it's a hard thing sometimes to deal with that chastening when we don't get our way. Or maybe, not maybe, he allows us to go through things that teach us lessons. Amen. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards or illegitimate and not sons. That's a King James Version word. But furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But He, He for our profit that we might be partakers of His holiness. And the Bible says this, No chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember this. God's chastening is never punitive. It's corrective. Jesus took our punishment, but God will correct us. And that's why He cleansed the temple. Religious men were misrepresenting God with alternative sacrifices and coin exchanged, exchanges. Let me just share this with you. Can you imagine bringing your sacrifice to the temple? And the religious would come out and they'd look at that and they'd say, well, you know, 
that, that, that lamb has a little blemish on it, or that ox has a little blemish, or whatever. That's not a perfect sacrifice. But over here, we've got some great sacrifices that are without blemish, and they're on sale today. So you can sell yours and buy ours. And they would say, you know, the coins that you brought, they're not temple coins, they're not temple currency, but you can exchange that and bring us the right type of currency. That's why Jesus went in there and he said, I'm telling you, you as religious Pharisees, Sadducees, rulers of the temple, he said, what you're doing is you are manipulating these people and you are for gain. And that's why he went in and flipped over those those table changers and, and, and run out all of the sacrifices. They were mad at him, but he did it out of correction. And see, God deals with us sometimes, and we feel very convicted because he cleans house. Because are we not the temple of the Holy Ghost? Does he not deal with us as children? Is that not a good thing? It's an awesome thing, Brother Kevin, that the Spirit of God would come in and flip over our tables and would go through and say, you know, there's some manipulation there. There's things that are not Christ there. There's things that are not pure there. They're not pure. They're not right. They're not righteous. They're not holy. There's, 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 you don't add to Jesus. <laughs> there's no additions to Christ or the work that He did on Calvary's cross. That's enough. And we have to put our faith and trust in that. But God the Father says, I will chasten you. I will deal with you. That's why when you sin against God, you feel convicted if you're a real true child of God. And that's, that's really the Holy Spirit in there flipping over those tables and saying there's things that are not pleasing to me. God's not interested in punishing you. He's just interested in, for, in you being right and doing right and not misrepresenting Him. Because He wants a pure temple that's flowing with the Spirit of God. Jesus corrected this. Are we not the temple of the Holy Ghost? Yes. And then at times, He will correct our error and our sin, our wrong, our rebellion. And let me, let me tell you, every person in here has a propensity for rebellion. And it's wrong. Rebelling against God, rebelling against His Word, rebelling against the Spirit of God. And you may say, well, there's other Christians that can do this. Why can't I do it? Because the Holy Ghost told you not to. <laughs> you hearing me? Told you not to. And so even though Hebrews chapter 1-11 through 11 gives us a hope for redemption and forgiveness, all about the blood and everything that Christ did, sin still has consequences that God does not remove. We reap what we've sown. If you sin, there's going to be a reaping of that. There's going to be a consequence of that. Now, there's, there's, let me just say this, and this is just, I just feel God leading me this way. There is, there is <clears throat> consequences because of public sin. and Well, there's public sin and there's private sin. There's things that only you know and God knows. Okay? Thoughts, words, deeds, actions, in private. Thank God we can clean that up. And nobody knows. And everybody's looking down because we've all been there. We've all thought thoughts, allowed things. Then there's things that are publicly done that have great consequences. A man leaves his wife or a wife leaves her husband. And then people's lives, the family is affected by that. And they get very angry because they don't like the consequence of that sin. Well, tough rocks! That's what happens. 
You chose that. You deal with it. So, But you got to know this much. God will carry you through it and bring you through it. And thank the Lord we can harvest, go through the reaping of that and harvest that and go on with a fresh new field. You know, I went to my backyard on the side and there was a period of time where I cut all those weeds down. I got them all down. It's just nothing but dirt. But I went back and uh, two, three months later, hadn't been back. I thought, my goodness, they're that high again. It's because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I got to check up. Got to put yourself in check. He said, if you let that go, if you don't maintain that, there'll be weeds there all the time. And if you don't take care of it, they'll be so big and so bad and so high and so thick, it'll be a jungle back there. Because you neglected it. Let me tell you something, church. There are consequences, and that's God's chastisement to us. Really, I wrote this down. Really, what what takes place is that God just allows us to deal or have to go through what we did on our own in sin. You know, it's kind of like my mom used to say, it's your own cotton-picking fault. That's a Missouri thing. But we have hope for redemption, but we still have the consequences. We must go through this or we learn nothing. I've learned at times... And I'm learning. I shouldn't say learned. I don't like to put an ED on the end of there. I just want to say I'm learning. I'm learning to keep my mouth shut. When I was younger, me and Sister Scholes were early in our marriage, like last year. The Lord told me one day, He said, You ain't the Holy Ghost. Why do you always have to pipe up and say what you think? I don't need you to help me out. Amen. See, what happens is when it begins to come to pass of a consequence because of, of our, what we've done, when somebody says it to you, they almost have a resentment against you. But when you say nothing and God does it, it chastens them and it deals with them. So just keep your mouth shut. Amen. Amen. You know, we're we're very good about giving advice and correction and, and, and telling everybody what they're supposed to do, but the Holy Spirit said, just keep your mouth shut and worry about you. Amen. Just worry about you. I'm a product of what I take in. I'm a product. Sin starts with seeds that we take in. And there's consequences. We're products of what we take in. We're we're products of what we engage in and what we've allowed in our life. And the chastisement comes. And the correction of of the Lord or our Father is to let us feel the consequence of that. And it's the only remedy for change in our heart and in our attitude. He is a responsible Father that will chasten you. And He said, if I can't chasten you, you're illegitimate. You're not my son. If God can't deal with us, we don't have a father. But if we have a father, we can say, Lord, whatever you say, you say. Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I'm not going to be like like his wife who said, why don't you just curse God and die? 
He said, you speak like a foolish woman. I'm not going to hold God accountable for anything. He's God. He knows what he's doing. And in the final analysis of it all, God gave everything back to him anyway. And those that were telling him what he was doing wrong and saying he was in sin and everything, it was Job's responsibility. Their only hope was that Job would pray for them to be restored because God was very angry with them. Amen. I found that very interesting. But he's a responsible father. We must trust him as our good, good father. This morning, you're in this place and you're going through something. I want you to know that God, he will be everything that you need in your life, but you must come to him. Amen. Maybe today you're burdened down. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor. Burdened down, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Hallelujah. Thank God for that yoke of the Lord. You know, I want to share something with you. Somebody said to me the other day, because we get so busy in our life that we don't pay attention to the fact that we need to submit to God and, 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 and come and spend time with Him in His presence. That's the most important thing. But life gets busy, and with the busyness of life, we get burdened down with yokes that the enemy brings. And the word busy, somebody said to me, simply means being under Satan's yoke. When we need to be under God's yoke and come and let his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Amen. And I found out that whenever we're so busy and we neglect prayer and those things, but give ourselves to everything else, it never stops. It's constant. You'll get done with one project and then four or five other things will happen. You'll say, I just want to take this one phone call and I'm going to get it in prayer. Then you get four messages. You get an email you got to take care of. Then something comes up on your Google uh, calendar. Oh, i got to make that phone call. Next thing you know, two and three hours has passed by and you don't have time to pray. But whenever you come and you submit to God and you just begin to be in His presence, He just has a way of taking care of all those things. I've had people that, that they, they, they sent me a text and they said, I, just, I need to talk to you right now. And I'm just like, I'm going to prayer first. I'm not going to give them a priority. I'm going to give God a priority. So I called you. You didn't answer. I said my phone was on airplane mode because I want to have my undivided attention given to God. And at the end of that prayer time, I go to my phone and they go, you know what, Pastor, I got the answer. It's okay. Disregard that text. God knows. We serve an awesome Father who cares about us, who loves us. Don't you ever think for one second God doesn't care? Because He does. He's responsible. He's responsible. And when He speaks something to you, Listen to what he says. Obey his voice. Years ago, this guy right here, we lived at a condo down off of Rosecrans and Beach. is a thoroughway. People come down that hill barreling 60 miles an hour to get to Beach Boulevard. I've seen many people right through that light. I told him, son, don't ever go down there and cross Rosecrans to go over to Rite Aid. I know you want thrifty ice cream or whatever, but don't go over there. Don't go there. I was laying in bed 
taking a nap. It's about three in the afternoon. Just laid my weary head down on a Wednesday or Friday or something. I don't remember. And he had a little Korean friend named Ted. I'm laying there. He said, I'm going to go hang out with Ted. They'd ride their bikes around. He's about 10 years old. I'm laying there, and I saw Kyle on his bike. I was barely asleep. I saw Kyle riding across Rosecrans. I went, I thought, oh, it's just me, you know. I thought it was just me. It was just in my mind. So he come walking through the door, just, you know, happy-go-lucky. I said, where you been? Hanging out with Ted. I said, of course. I said, I'm going to tell you right now. I said, don't you ever go across Rosecrans. You was down there at Rosecrans, weren't you? I mean, his eyes got as big as half dollars. He said, I was. How did you know? I said, son, the Holy Ghost tells me everything about you. (laughs) Don't ever forget that. I said, the reason I don't want you down there is because somebody will come through there and not be able to stop and not see you, and they'll mow over you on their bike, on your bike. Please. I'm not doing it to keep you from something good. Please understand your dad loves you and he's trying to protect you. Okay, dad. You know, that's our father. He doesn't always tell you why. A lot of times he doesn't tell you why. He just tells you no. Listen, because God knows what you do not know. Amen. You need something this morning? We're going to pray for a little bit. You're welcome to come. Fill the altar. If you're not a Christian this morning, you can be. You can know Jesus as your Savior. Just come and pour your heart out here. You know, maybe you've been away from God and you say, I haven't talked to my Father in a long time. Today's your day. Haven't come and prayed in a long time. Today's your day. Nobody's going to touch you. Nobody's going to bother you. Come. This is, I just want to say to you this morning, let people come and let's let them pray this morning. Just spend some time with your Father. Thank Him for being such an awesome God. He's a God of character. His character is eternal. There's no limit to His love. You hearing me? There's no limit to uh, what He can do for you. His grace, it's abundant. His life, it's abundant. His blessing, it's abundant. He's eternal. Amen. He's a good, good father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Kevin, would you just stand and pray so we can have an altar call this morning?